Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Joe Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran sergeant of the NYPD, and with me today is retired NYPD detective and straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How you doing, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy, but I got to tell you, I'm really annoyed about what we're going to talk about today. Really annoyed. This is getting under my skin. You know, we've covered a lot of this story, and of course, it's the Alec Baldwin shooting on the uh, the film set Rust. And, you know, we covered it and, you know, right pretty much from the beginning. And one of the things we kept saying, and, and we say in a lot of cases, is that when someone's implicated in something, they should keep their damn mouth shut, you know? However, I believe that, you know, Alec Baldwin is such a narcissist, he cannot keep his mouth shut. He just has to talk about it and he has to extol the fact that he feels that he's innocent and he's a victim in this. And it's just so incredible for me um, to think about this. But the thing that spurred us on today to do this extra episode is that there was an article today in the New York Post, and I'm sure it's probably syndicated nationally by Piers Morgan. And it's uh, directly about the conduct of, of Alec Baldwin in the, in this case. And if, if a journalist and uh, someone else in show business feels that way, you could imagine how the regular public feels about this guy. You know, it's just that he has this narcissistic bent to himself where he thinks the sun rises and sets with him. Uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of, of um, Piers Morgan and we can go to some of the highlights later on. Uh, this is the, the actually the headline to this story in the Post. The only talker we want to hear from shameless slimeball Alec Baldwin is in the courtroom. So he, and he writes, four months ago, Alec Baldwin shot a woman dead. There's no doubt about what happened. No ambiguity. The actor was the one holding the gun that discharged live ammunition that killed film cinematographer Helena Hutchins, 42, and also wounded director Joel Souza. It was clearly a terrible, horrendous accident and the result of appalling safety protocol failures on the set of the Western movie Rust. But he still did it. So he's just laying the groundwork there uh, for the background to this. And I want to play a little bit of the interview with Matt Hutchins, who's the husband of Helena Hutchins. And he was interviewed by Hoda Kotb a couple of weeks ago, responding to... Uh, Alec Baldwin's conduct uh, in in this and talking on all these uh, these media shows and on you know social media and uh, we're just going to play a little bit of this and just see you know how this makes us feel absolutely you know grief and anger at Alec Baldwin for comments the actor made following the Rust tragedy just so angry to see him talk about her death so publicly. Hutchins has filed a wrongful death suit against Baldwin and other members of the production team, telling Hoda he takes issue with Alec Baldwin's account of the fatal incident. I'm holding that. I'm just showing. I go, how about that? Does that work? Do you see that? Do you see that? Do you see that? She goes, yeah, that's good. I let go of the hammer. Bang, the gun goes. Mr. Baldwin goes out there and talks about these details about how he caused the gun to discharge and yet takes no responsibility. And, and in my mind, it's just very simple that he was holding the gun and caused it to go off. Baldwin has not commented on the interview, but posted this cryptic message on social media. In Buddhism, being truthful goes beyond simply not telling lies. When anyone feels no shame in telling a deliberate lie, there is no evil they will not do. The actor also posting this clip of Nina Simone singing, please don't let me be misunderstood. In an earlier statement, Baldwin's attorney says any claim that Alec was reckless is entirely false. The Santa Fe County DA's office says it's still investigating the shooting and has not decided whether to file criminal charges. The FBI is doing ballistic tests and analyzing the revolver used in the shooting. The DA writing, while my office has reviewed weapons with similar actions in varying conditions, it is premature to guess or speculate about the functionality of the particular firearm Mr. Baldwin discharged. 
And Miguel Hutchins' lawsuit is just one of several civil suits that Alec Baldwin is facing now. Yeah, that's right, Savannah. There are at least two other lawsuits accusing the production as well as Baldwin and other Rust producers of cutting corners and failing to maintain industry safety standards on set, which they deny. As for the separate criminal investigation, that may not be over for weeks or even months. The Santa Fe District Attorney recently also sat down with Helena Hutchins' family to solicit their thoughts before finalizing the case. Savannah. All right, Miguel Almaguer with the latest there. Thank you. Phil, thoughts? Oh, my thoughts. Well, as you know, we weren't supposed to do a show today, but we uh, talked earlier today, and I rushed home to get on the air about this. And, you know, the thing that strikes me most about it is that this poor Matt Hutchins and his son, they have to deal with the loss of a wife and a mother. Now, bad enough that they have to deal with that. She was so tragically taken at such a young age. And then you got the guy who's holding the gun in his hand. Now, we know he didn't do it intentionally. It's obviously an accident. But the person who's holding the gun in his hand is taking absolutely no responsibility for his actions or whatever accident that occurred on that set that day. And I think that that's sticking salt into the wound of what these people are going through. Uh, it, it's really disgusting that he's, he's publicly now stating that uh, he knows that someone is responsible for what happened, but he knows it's not him. That's what he said in the George Stephanopoulos interview. I mean, how could he make such a statement? And then we've gone over it numerous times when Stephanopoulos asked him, do you feel any guilt? He immediately snapped back and said, no, I don't. That is a disgusting set of facts. He, he He's just really digging himself into a deeper hole. I mean, had he remained silent, like you suggested early on, Many people would have probably, you know, put this at the back of their mind. I don't want to, you know, uh, diminish uh, the existence of Helena Hutchins or Sousa, Sousa that were the uh, the director that was shot. I don't want to diminish them, but I think that it would have been less volatile for him. It would be less in the media had he just kept his mouth shut. But his narcissistic, just disgusting behavior prevents him from doing that. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty incredible, uh, you know, and I mean, Matt Hutchins did say that, you know, how does the person that's holding the firearm, when it goes off, despite his protestations that he did not pull the trigger, how does the person that's holding the firearm that killed my wife not take accountability for it? He was holding the gun that went off, however you want to argue how it went off, he was holding the gun in his hand. Uh you know, therefore, regardless of what went on before it went off, Baldwin was ultimately responsible for Helena Hutchins' death. Yet ever since that dreadful day, he's been engaged in a woefully self-pitying public relations tour, cynically designed to make people think he was just as much a victim as the woman he killed. And these are the words of uh, Piers Morgan. And obviously, many people feel this way, that uh, Alec Baldwin is just not taking responsibility for his actions. It sounds like Piers Morgan is just as disgusted, excited, and upset as we are. And I just want to read a line. This is an exact quote from Matt Hutchins. The, uh, you were just referencing it, but the exact quote is, the idea that the person holding the gun, causing it to discharge, is not responsible is absurd to me. It's absolutely absurd to me as well, and I'm sure to you too, Billy. And we've gone over this a couple of times. We didn't want to go back onto it, but when you see stories like this, he did a recent uh, interview. And again, he's denying re any responsibility with regard to, uh, you know, uh, how uh, uh, accountability, I should say, for uh, how this woman uh, came to meet her end. And that's a disgusting position to take. Uh, he doesn't show any signs of remorse, in my opinion. You know, he was crying on, on the interview with Stephanopoulos, but I, I'm sure he does feel bad somewhere deep down inside. But his narcissistic behavior is not allowing him to show the remorse, and it's not allowing him to show that, yeah, I do feel guilt. And it, it's really it's really behavior that is disgusting, and I'm sure that's why Piers Morgan wrote this article. And I agree with him 100%. When we're done, you give the gun to me or to Halls, only those two people. Dave Halls was Rust's assistant director, also known as the first AD. Seen here in this IMDB photo, he was responsible 
for keeping the production on schedule. Sometimes we would be on a set that was a very, very cramped set, and they wanted people in that room on an as-needed basis. But if I'm holding the gun and they say cut, I then hand the gun to Halls if she's not there. Yeah, why Halls, not Hannah? Some people have said that only the armorer should be handed. No, 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 no. Wrong. That That's been shown that he's wrong because... Yeah. You're only supposed to hand the gun to the armorer, and he's covering up for himself right there. Andy the Gabby Cabby, good to see you, buddy. Hello. That's a boy. Hello, Andy. Hello, you too. It's very clear. If you have a weapon in your hand, you are responsible for it and its status. Regardless, what a piece of work. 100%, Andy. Couldn't agree and, more, uh, Andy. You're right. It's, it's disgraceful that he's not taking responsibility for his actions. And we've, you know, it's the thing is, we've been over this case. We've analyzed we have ballistics experts we've spoken to a million people about this we spoke to people in the industry about this yet i mean he made some other despicable comments that i'm going to go over in a little bit but partly it's about people suing people that have money not the people that are most responsible for uh he one of the things he said to george stephanopoulos which is the most egregious he said um I feel that someone is responsible for what happened. And I can't say who that is, but I know it's not me. I yeah. mean, if those aren't the words of a narcissist, then what what is, you know? Um, you know, and then, he, oh, this is the part I was referring to about why people are suing him. Um, what you have is a certain group of litigants on whatever side, he said, who their attitude is, well, the people who likely seem negligent have enough money, and the people who have money are not negligent. But we're not going to let that stop us from doing what we need to do in terms of litigation. Why sue people if you're not going to get money? That's what you're doing. That's his actual words. So he's actually accusing Matt Hutchins of suing him just because he has money, not because of his culpability in the shooting. Billy, it sounds like if you read between the lines a little bit there, he's trying to put the onus on. It sounds like the, the manufacturer, the person that I shouldn't say the manufacturer, the person that supplied the ammunition. They're probably a small business. And I think because the armorer is already suing that person who supplied the ammunition, he's trying to point the finger in that direction to say, hey, you're coming after me because I have deep pockets. Bull. That is total bull. You had the gun in your hand. That's number one. Number two, you were the on-site producer of the production and you had a reasonable, and I say reasonable, expectation to provide secure environment to everybody that worked on that set and that means was not met. There was reckless behavior from the onset of this production. Uh, we know that they were firing shots from that same weapon uh, live rounds just a day or two before taking tar target practice. There were several other, at least two other uh, accidental discharges of uh, blanks or, or, or the type of bullets that don't uh, shoot a projectile through the gun. And so there's just all kinds of, uh, you know, flagrant violations of safety protocols. And he just stated one in that last segment that you played of his interview with Stephanopoulos, where he says he handed the gun to either Halls or the armorer. That's a, a, a breach of the secure, uh, the, the safety protocol right there. You know, Phil, what a lot of people don't realize is that everything you say and do that's of public record, like making that video, is can be used in court against you. So he admitted to wrongdoing in the interview. And, you know, as most attorneys would tell their clients, shut up. Don't go on media. Don't be interviewed. But he is such a narcissist, he cannot help himself. He has to go and pitch his, uh, you know, pitch his case on, on social media and on television. It's, it's just incredible. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories with a sort of special episode. We call it the pissed off episode because we read this article and we had to respond to it. Um, if you're not subscribed to uh, our YouTube, please go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. And if you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three levels. And you see the folks with the green font in the chat. Those are our YouTube family members. And there's five different levels at that. So, you know, what uh, Piers Morgan had said after that comment about 
you know, litigants just suing him, not because of his culpability, but because he has deep pockets. Um, Piers Morgan said this, what a disgustingly insensitive, arrogant, dismissive, soulless way to behave towards a man whose wife is dead because of Baldwin's actions. And, you know, I don't think, I think he uh, knows what he means, uh, Piers Morgan, when he said that. Pretty damn strong language, don't you think, Phil? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, he appeared at some film festival over the weekend and he pulls out his phone. He takes a, a call from Hilaria during the interview and he's on stage and he shows how she's putting together some cat puzzle. Now, listen, that's all well and good. It's cute and it's nice. But, you know, he was publicly just recently involved in this horrible thing where a woman lost her life. And now it's like he put it behind him and he's exhibiting this ridiculous behavior in public and a guy like Pierce Morgan caught on to it. He wrote the story. He refers to him as a selfish slime ball and he's trying to paint himself as the victim in this case. And I think that uh, Piers Morgan nailed it. That's exactly what he's trying to do. Uh, if he comes across in the public arena as a victim, maybe he feels that he'll be able to survive this uh, cancel culture time uh, in, in history. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much work he's going to get in Hollywood going forward, but uh, if it were up to me, I'd never hire a guy like that to work for me if I was in that business ever again. Not based on the accident, not just based on the accident alone. Reckless behavior was displayed, absolutely. But his post-accident behavior is just sickening. It's disgusting. And I think that would be the cherry on the top of the cake for me to say, no, I'll never work with this guy again if I was in that type of business. You know, Phil, the um, the fact that he's gloating around uh, with his family and you know, appearing that he's getting on with his life and is happy, that's all well and good. Hopefully you can move on with your life after a horrendous situation like this. However, you shouldn't be gloating publicly in the face of a man who you just lost his wife to your hands, of which you will not take any culpability for. So maybe he should be a little more sensitive in regards to appearing on media. Oh, honey. And, you know, just gloating around with his family and sort of making like, oh, I'm as happy as a, a, a duck in water, you know, and that hurts the people that are left behind there. You know, uh, Salty, uh, I don't know why you are so confident that all this tragic incident is at Alec Baldwin's hands. You guys are retired law enforcement and don't have true facts. Salty, actually, we do have the true facts. And the, the biggest true fact is that Alec Baldwin was holding the gun that killed Helena Hutchins when it went off. Whether you believe he pulled the trigger, which I do believe, I believe he pulled the trigger because to me, guns do not go off unless you do so. He is responsible for it. Are there other, is there other culpability and other liability in this, the Rust set? Absolutely. Everyone is saying how reckless the whole set was. And that also goes to Alec Baldwin. He was a producer on this movie. And they tried to do a cut rate movie and they cut back on areas of safety. And lo and behold, someone lost their life because of them trying to do a cut rate movie, cut the price, hire an armorer who was not experienced enough to handle a movie set, who did not know enough about handling guns. And lo and behold, yes, someone's dead. So yes, we're from law enforcement. And if I right now, and again, I'm not part of this investigation. I'm looking at it from afar, but based on my experience, someone's getting charged in this, either manslaughter or criminally negligent homicide, because there's a lot of negligence that someone, a 42-year-old woman, a mother, a wife, a daughter, lost her life because of negligence due to this movie not wanting to spend the right amount of money to do it properly. You know, I just want to address that last comment that Salty made. Um, there are facts that were put forward in this case. And, you know, in the beginning, I really believe that had Baldwin displayed, uh, you know, that he showed uh, remorse. remorse. And, sorry. remorse. Yeah. and if he showed that he was guilty about it, I think that Matt Hutchins was probably ready to forgive him for it. But his behavior going forward, you know, he's going on with his life. How is 
Hutchins, Matt Hutchins, and and his young son going to go on with their lives? You think that they're able to carry on, uh, you know, like nothing ever happened, that this woman wasn't in their life? So, again, I don't want to get personal, but when it happens, and I don't wish this on nobody, but if it happens to somebody close to you, you might have a different opinion about what this guy is doing. And, you know, him not showing responsibility, I'm sure would tick anybody off if they were related to this uh, th- this lovely young woman that lost her life. And, and again, he's showing that he's moving on with his life. That's all well and good if you have the capability to do that. But he shouldn't do it publicly. He shouldn't come across as like nothing ever happened. And anybody that has, uh, you know, two eyes in their head and could read between the lines a little bit, if you watch that interview with Stephanopoulos, was obviously choreographed and he was trying to paint himself as the victim. And you have a, a, an independent reporter, uh, Pierce, uh, Pierce Morgan, that basically agrees with what we're saying. So it's not like we're alone in this. And, uh, you know, we are basing our opinions on the facts that were put forward. There was reckless behavior and you could still be held accountable for a person's death when you're reckless. And that's what we're talking about. We, we've said from the beginning, we don't think that he did it intentionally. It was not an intentional act. It was definitely an accident. But just because it's an accident doesn't mean you can't be held criminally liable as well sure. as civilly. She was someone who was loved by everyone who worked with and liked by everyone who worked with and admired. I mean, even now, I find it hard to believe that. It just doesn't seem seem real to me. You haven't said much in public since that tragic accident. Why speak out now? I think the big question and the one you must have asked yourself a thousand times, how could this have happened? You've described it as a one in a trillion shot and the gun is in your hand. How do you come to terms with that? It wasn't in the script for the trigger to be pulled. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I I would never point a gun at anybody and pull a trigger at them, never. What did you think happened? How did a real bullet get on that set? I have no idea. Someone put a live bullet in a gun, a bullet that wasn't even supposed to be on the property. How do you respond to actors like George Clooney who say that every time they were handed a gun, they checked it themselves? Your emotions are so clearly so right there on the surface. You felt shock. You felt anger. You felt sadness. Do you feel guilt? You said you're not a victim, but is this the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Yes. Because I, I, I think back and I think of what could I have done? Alec Baldwin, Unscripted, the newsmaking special event. I find that interview despicable also. I just find it to be, let's do an infomercial for Alec Baldwin because we like him. And Stephanopoulos obviously was friends with him because he was throwing him not even softball questions, beach ball questions, and he was actually loading the questions up for him and almost asking them and answering them. I mean, is that journalism 101 that you're not supposed to do that? Like, you know, as as an investigator, you don't ask and answer a question. The reason you're asking a question is to get an answer. But here he is, he's asking and answering it. I found that to be just as despicable as Alex's uh, interview, you know, that the interviewer was throwing him softballs. You know, Billy, those could have been real tears from him. And I'm sure that he does feel terrible about it, but he's, he's got this side of him, which appears to be narcissistic. And he's just, you know, he's ready to move on. I'm not guilty. Uh, I don't feel guilty. I'm not responsible. Well, if you didn't have this production and you would have, in, uh, you know, enlisted all of the specific Uh, safety protocols, and if somebody would have checked the gun, and if you didn't pull the trigger, all of those things, and probably a half a dozen others, this young lady would be alive. So yeah, you are responsible for it. No one's saying you intentionally did it, but uh, the fact that there's a civil case, uh, he's got a problem with that. I I think that uh, in a situation like this, accidental death, civil cases are almost automatic. 
So, you know, he's trying to, like I said, he's trying to point the finger at somebody else and, and, and put the blame on them because, uh, you know, they, they might, ha might not have money. So they're pointing the lawsuit at him. That's nonsense. Uh, he's the producer. It's his production. He's the one that had the gun in his hand. He probably, 100%, we can't say, but he probably pulled the trigger. And, uh, you know, so he's going to be the one with the most culpability civilly, I would think. Well, you know, Phil, a, uh, a CNN uh, expert who was a um, armorer for like 25 or 30 years on movie sets, he was with us, an arbalist ex expert, uh, NYPD retired crime scene sergeant John Pellucci said he pulled the trigger. There's no doubt he pulled the damn trigger, and whoever says not. And when the district attorney came out a few weeks ago saying, oh, we did a test on a gun like the gun, that Alec Baldwin, and he may not have pulled the trigger. First of all, she's not qualified to do that test, nor were the two detectives in her office that did this pseudo-unscientific test. The only way to do a proper test is in a ballistics lab and firing the gun into a tank, as you know, which is how a ballistics test is done on every police department and FBI in this, in this nation. So for her to do some pseudo-unscientific test in her office... I, to me, that smells of something not being right, that they even came out with that. You know, Billy, before they even got to the point where they would fire it into the tank, they would probably physically and visually inspect the gun, check the mechanism, pull it back and forth, pull the trigger, you know, point it in a safe direction, obviously, unloaded. Uh, there would be 100% certain that the gun was unloaded. But they, the point is they would examine it. Then they would go through the steps that you just mentioned, firing the gun into the tank of water, retrieving the ballistic evidence that's expelled from the gun. So uh, again, she's going to say that she had, you know, some investigators in her office look at a similar gun. That's really not a good comparison. That can only give you a baseline of how a gun operates. We need the exact gun and whatever examination is done on that gun then you can tell if the gun is properly operational or not. You cannot make that statement until you did the examination or it's done by someone else that can give you a report on the exact firearm, not a duplicate or something that works just similarly like it. You need the one that was actually in question. Well, Phil, exactly. And the number one test that the FBI is going to do is called operability. Was there some mechanical malfunction that made that gun go off without someone pulling the trigger. And minus that, he pulled the trigger. You know, that minus there being a mechanical, which is a mechanical malfunction to a firearm is quite rare. I don't have the percentages, but it's quite rare. Usually it's human error, which I would uh, probably err on the side that it's it's probably going to come back as human error. Gene DeSalvo, he may have intentionally shot her thinking he had a blank. He said she just fainted as it only uh, a wad hit her. Publicity stunt. Uh, Gene DeSalvo, you know something? I don't find that believable that he thought she fainted. I think that's total bullshit that he just made that up. He didn't hear the boom. A 45 caliber go round goes off. You're, you're going to be holding your ears. You're going to have ringing in your ears after that round goes off. So for him to say, oh, I thought she fainted, that's, that, again, does not pass the smell test. I'm glad you're making that point, Billy, because a blank would not make the same sound. It would make a loud, uh, it would it, expel a loud charge. But a fully operational round uh, makes a lot louder sound than uh, a blank. So, uh, again, uh, maybe in a split second, it would be like, oh, my God, what happened? But when you had uh, the director, Souza, uh, also wreathing or screaming out in pain and she goes down. Uh, I think it was clear within seconds that these two people had been shot. I don't think uh, it took much, uh, you know, uh, uh, intelligence to figure that out within a couple of seconds. So uh, again, he claimed that he didn't know for up to 30 minutes or something. So I, I'm not buying most of what he said. It's obviously self-serving statements because he got together with his attorneys and they like, you know, they must've, uh, you know, educated him. You're, you're going to be on the hook for a lot of money. Uh, your production company, you could be probably sued personally if uh, there's not enough insurance. So he was trying to cut CYA. He was trying to cover his ass. And uh, you know, I think that 
doing things to cover yourself is okay, but not in such a public way. You know what I mean? He shouldn't have, he shouldn't have went gone public and said all of these things. Um, you know, if you have to cover yourself uh, later on down the, uh, the road at a trial, it's one thing, but uh, you know, to come out just weeks after this poor woman lost her life. I mean, it's, it, it's an insult to the family. It's disgusting. And I think the uh, posture of the husband, Matt changed from when it initially started, he, he seemed to be in lockstep with uh, Baldwin that it was an ac accident. Uh, but now he's he's quoted in these articles and uh, he was uh, interviewed and uh, he thinks it's quite disgusting that Baldwin is saying he doesn't feel guilt. Going back to the article by Pierce Morgan, he in the second page, he writes in an emotion charged appearance on the Today program afterward, he raged. I was just so angry to see him. He's re referring to Matt uh, Hutchins. I was just so angry to see him talk about her death so publicly in such a detailed way and then to not accept any responsibility after having just described killing her. Uh, and that anger will surely have been exacerbated by the endless stream of self-indulgent crap that both Baldwin and his equally narcissistic and enabling wife, Hilaria, have pumped out on social media since the shooting to try to persuade the public of his total innocence and victimhood status. They filmed and shared themselves smirking and laughing, kissing and cuddling on date nights, playing happy family with their six children and praising each other's strength and courage. It's all been nauseatingly tone deaf and shockingly disrespectful toward the grieving Hutchins family. Yet it's entirely predictable conduct by a couple who, when they're not waging constant vicious verbal and sometimes physical war with the media, wallow in a relentless orgy of cringe-making media self-promotion. This is right out of Piers Morgan's article, which appeared in the New York Post today, and no doubt probably syndicated on newspapers throughout the country. You know, Billy, I guess that point, uh, what you just read, the point that I made earlier about how this family has to go through it Again, they went through it when she was killed. And now it's like they're getting dragged through the mud again, that they have to see this kind of behavior. You think it would have made sense maybe for Baldwin and his wife to shut down social media or take a break from it and, and maybe, you know, maybe just po post some good thoughts. I mean, to show them, you know, uh, frolicking around and, and such a happy life. I, I, I'm not trying to take anybody's life away from them, but it, it almost flies in the face of this woman's family. I mean, the husband has to see that. Uh, the public has to see that. We had the Gabby Cabby who's from across the pond and, and you know, they're seeing it and they're upset about it. I mean, it's, it just, it's a, it leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth. And uh, again, we're trying to just bring attention to it. We weren't going to do a story. We decided to do it. We saw this article and we, we agree with Piers Morgan that uh, his behavior is just, uh, it's ridiculous. You know, it's just the whole woe is me uh, thing. And this is also from Matt Hutchins. On the day her widower announced his lawsuit, Baldwin posted a cryptic message saying, in Buddhism, being truthful goes beyond simply not telling lies. It means speaking truthfully and honestly, yes, but also means using speech to benefit others and not to use it to benefit only ourselves. I mean, this guy really needs that sort of applies to him, doesn't yeah, it? He sort of needs to look in the mirror. Yeah, really. Examine himself. But I just want to mention this also for folks that don't know, like Alec Baldwin's history. He's a very opinionated guy and does not hold back from attacking others and even attacking others, even when they turn out to be right. In 2017, he attacked a cop in California who shot and killed someone in a street altercation. And he went after this guy on social media and said, I wonder what it's like to wrongfully kill somebody. And the cop was cleared for the shooting. In essence, the shooting was declared within department guidelines and he wasn't charged. Now that I refer that same question to Alec Baldwin, I wonder what it feels like to wrongfully kill someone. Karma, the old thing of in Brooklyn, what goes around comes around. Yeah, absolutely. And I think his his statement at that time when that officer was involved in that shooting, that was very sarcastic. Uh, you know, he was just trying to pile on. And, uh, you know, now that he's sitting in that cop's shoes, and again, I think that's a different situation totally. His his indication was, I mean, I mean his situation was is that 
it was probably an accident based on what we know about it. But uh, again, he's got a big mouth. He should keep it quiet. He's, he's commenting on things that, uh, you know, he really shouldn't, he should learn to just keep quiet. I, I, I bet his attorneys are probably jumping up and down telling him, shut the hell up, you know? Uh, oh yeah. Definitely. Stay out of the limelight. Definitely. They're telling him that, uh, Alec, you should shut the hell up. <laughs> Absolutely. Let me just play a little of this. Rust. Baldwin was wielding a gun, which was supposed to contain blank rounds, when it discharged a live round that struck Hutchins in the chest. In a news conference today, the attorneys released an animated reenactment of what they say happened. Panish says there was no reason for Baldwin to have been wielding a weapon when the shooting happened, since he was only helping to set up camera angles for a scene. I think the video explains why Mr. Baldwin and others were responsible and are responsible for safety on the job site and why their reckless conduct and cost-cutting measures led to the death of Elena Hutchins. According to the complaint, Baldwin pointed the gun at Ms. Hutchins and the other crew who were just four feet away and released the hammer of the revolver, causing it to discharge. The animation also highlighted messages and emails among crew members addressing safety issues on the set. The complaint alleges on two separate occasions prior to the shooting of Ms. Hutchins, guns on the Rust production had been discharged in an unsafe manner while loaded with ammunition. In response to these weapon discharges, and inadequate firearm inspections. Crew members of the production made complaints about safety on the set to supervisors, including the executive producers, producers, and line producers. These complaints were ignored. The attorney for Alec Baldwin and the other producers of Rust said in a statement, in part, any claim that Alec was reckless is entirely false. He, Helena, and the rest of the crew relied on the statement by the two professionals responsible for checking the gun that it was a cold gun, meaning there was no possibility of a discharge, blank or otherwise. You know, one of the things that we spoke about is that, and uh, both of us, I did almost 27 years in the NYPD, you did 22, drilled into our heads. Every time we went to the range, we went to the range twice a year for 27 years, was before you holstered your weapon, you were told to do a physical and visual inspection of that firearm to determine that it was in fact unloaded. And that was drilled into our heads for me for 27 years, for you for 22 years. So if you're on the set of a movie and someone, an armorer, and not even in this case, not even an armorer, an assistant director hands you a firearm, it is your duty to check that firearm, to do a visual and a physical inspection of that firearm to make sure that it's not loaded. And what if there are blanks, to make sure they are in fact blanks, Take them out of the gun, shake them. I've spoken to another big time movie star, a movie star that says it was his responsibility to check that gun. He goes, Every time, I'm not going to say who it is, every time I'm handed a firearm on set, I check it before I go through the scene. So he, this is just his MO. He doesn't take responsibility. Uh, I would like to see his elementary school teacher's records, his discipline records, and to see. Alec doesn't listen and follow directions, nor does he take responsibility. I bet you he has a history of it, you know. It's also been reported that he didn't take the safety course that was recommended. So, I mean, there's just so many things here, you know. Um, I don't think uh, that the uh, lawsuit is going to have any heavy lifting to get a preponderance of the evidence to to rule in their favor. So, uh you know, I think it's probably uh, a lot easier to just, you know, for the insurance company to you know, not put the family through all of the uh, aggravation that they're going to have to go through and just uh, write the check already. You know, Phil, I think that most people will hope that there are criminal charges because through the criminal charges, all the truths and all the negligence will come out in that courtroom. Yep. And whether or not anyone will, I don't see, say Alec Baldwin is charged with criminally negligent homicide, manslaughter, one of those charges. Even if he's found guilty, I do not see uh, jail time or prison time for this. No. I see a potentially, if, if in fact he's even charged, they may not even be criminal charges. However, most of the attorneys that are following these civil cases, of course, they're probably hoping that there are criminal charges because it makes their job that much easier that a sure. criminal court 
found such gross negligence that someone was charged criminally. And there's enough room for at least, I'd say, three to five people to be charged criminally uh, in this case. Whether, in fact, they are, that is all up to the district attorney in Santa Fe. Well, let's go through them. You have Alec Baldwin. You have the uh, AD that handed him the gun. You have the armorer. That's three right there. Uh, Whoever was responsible for uh, uh, securing firearms that were on the set. And then you have the person that uh, supplied the ammunition. That's five right there. So, yeah. Also, the the main producer, you know, the buck stops at the top. Yes. So who's ever in charge of the overall in charge of the set. And you could also slap them on Alec Baldwin too, because not only was he the lead actor, but he was also a producer. And if I've heard him interviewed about that and he takes no responsibility for that either. He says, Oh no, I was just involved in hiring the actors and uh, making sure right. the butter was there at lunchtime, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> he talked about the financing. And then, yeah, like you said, he, he was only in charge of, uh, you know, uh, hiring the actors and stuff such. And also during that interview, uh, he refers to her as a, as a, as a, you know, a friend, a close friend, but then he kind of pulls back and he says, yeah, well, well we had just become friends because he knew that he was probably going to be queried about, well, you, this is the first time you met her when you started this production. So, uh, you know, he tried to paint her as, uh, somebody he cared about and everything. And I'm sure that he didn't hate her or anything like that. I mean, he may have, felt a friendship towards her during the, uh, you know, the initial stages of, uh, you know, the production and everything. But uh, he, he really just, uh, he need to take some kind of responsibility for it. And I think that had he done that in the beginning, people probably would have had this in the back of their minds as opposed to right out on uh, page 11 of the New York Post. Yeah, the thing that, that really uh, makes me really question his uh credibility, which I question at every uh, step of the way here, is the fact that he had no idea people were firing guns on the set. Do you have ears, Alec? You didn't hear booms going on on this set? And wouldn't uh, it have been your responsibility as a producer to go over and say, what are you guys doing? Why are there live rounds? But Because he acted so incredulous when he found out, oh my God, there were live rounds on this set? He didn't hear the booms that were going on? on the people shooting at beer cans and bottles that other people had reported. He didn't hear that. (laughs) Billy, there are emails going back and forth through uh, the production team, as well as some of the people, uh, the employees that uh, they were, you know, they were complaining about the, uh, the, the flagrant violation of safety protocols, the fact that they were taking uh, target practice. And I am sure, I am sure word got back to Alec Baldwin. And if he says that publicly, he's going to get caught in a lie because when they interview every individual involved in this, they're going to have the emails. They're going to say, did you write this email? Who did you tell? Or the person that got the email, well, what did you do with it? Did you uh, inform Mr. Baldwin? So, and I don't think that people are going to go lie and put themselves in the trick bag for a, uh, a criminal charge of perjury. Uh, you know, for Alec Baldwin. So uh, the truth is going to come out. It's going to be a matter of time. And uh, I really do. And I've said this all along. I really believe there's going to be some criminal charges for somebody. Somebody's going to be held accountable criminally, even though I, in my heart, believe it was an accident. Like I said before, you could still uh, have an accident and be held criminally liable. And I think that there is going to be charges. Who? It's yet it remains to be seen. And yet it's yet to be seen. But uh someone is going to be held uh, charged criminally. And I really, really believe that I'm strong on that. I'm just going to read a couple of more lines. We're at the last page of Piers Morgan's article. And he wrote, aside from the eye-popping hypocrisy of a man who denies killing someone, he killed preaching about honesty. He also seems to have forgotten that one of Buddhism's five main tenets is to abstain from taking the lives of other living beings. So there's a real knockout punch right there. Yeah. Alec Baldwin can deny it all once, but he killed Helena Hutchins. And no amount, he, not deliberately, but he killed her. And no amount of desperate Hollywood career-saving spin can change that simple fact. So he should shut up with his deluded, self-serving bullshit that causes so much added pain to the family of his victim. The only talking I now want to hear from him is in a courtroom. And this is taking directly from... Piers Morgan's article that appeared in the New York Post today and undoubtedly 
probably uh, syndicated throughout the country. So some strong feelings there. And these strong feelings aren't just held by the public. I think many people, look, I said right away, again, and Phil said it early on, I think it was an accident, but there was enough gross negligence in this accident. You know, it's like, you know, killing someone with your car. And if the brakes are bad, or if you're using excessive speed, or you don't exercise due caution, that still makes you criminally liable. Because you, you, there was no intention. We talk about, we've educated a lot of you guys with the four culpable mental states of mind, which are recklessly, intentionally, criminally, negligently, and knowingly. And so this fits in one of those, and I use the acronym RIC. It fits recklessly or criminally negligent. And both of those are part of the manslaughter statute. So that there absolutely can be and potentially will be criminal charges on this. And many people in the beginning were like, oh, no, there's no way there's going to be criminal charges. Don't be so sure, you know. Absolutely. And I think the district attorney from Santa Fe is purposely taking her time because she doesn't want to. And, and I also just heard, we listened to one of these short videos that she recently met with the family. What are their feelings? Should someone be criminally charged? I bet you they've had a lot of time to think about it. And I think they'd probably say, yeah, I think someone should be criminally charged because we don't ever want to see this happen again. And this was gross criminal negligence. Absolutely, Billy. And it, this is not like, you know, uh, someone uh, on their way to work, they're crossing the street, a car goes out of control and, and killed somebody. This was something that could have been been prevented and should have been prevented. Um, you know, we've gone over the industry, industry standards with, uh, you know, the use of actual and, and uh, real operable firearms. I don't think that they should use those type of weapons. I think that there should be only uh, a blank that, that could be charged out of the gun. And, you know, Steve Godell, when he was on from the movie TV unit of the NYPD, a retired sergeant that we had on, uh, he said that in New York, they, they don't allow uh, guns that are fully operable, that they put a piece of lead or a piece of steel inside the barrel of the firearm so that even if a live round does get mixed in, it wouldn't be able to uh, fire off uh, and kill somebody like that. So uh, I think that's the standard that needs to be set across the country. Uh, you know, uh, there's nothing worse than having to deal with a horrible accident like this. Uh, it's just, it, it's really terrible. Phil, I don't know if this is a family member, but uh, you want to, you want to read that? Uh, it's, I don't recognize her. So it may just be a, uh, another Grimaldi. Is his <laughs> culpability any less than someone who drinks and drives and kills someone? Uh, I think that's kind of a parallel of what we have here. You know, if you're drinking and driving, uh, you're being reckless and uh, if you run someone over, if you crash into someone and kill them, uh, even though it's considered an accident, you know, you, you didn't aim the car at them, but because you were inebriated, your senses were dulled. Uh, this is what caused you to not have the reaction to, uh, you know, avoid that accident. And that's where the culpability comes in to uh, charge a person with, uh, you know, vehicular homicide uh, as a result of a DWI. Alexander, uh, in, um, intoxication is it? in any penal law is never a defense to an offense. So in essence, you can never use that you were intoxicated as a defense that, oh, I didn't mean it. I was intoxicated. Well, you have to recognize that intox being intoxicated uh, makes your decision-making and everything uh, compromised. And so the penal law in its wisdom says right in it that intoxication is not a defense, nor is ignorance. So there's a good point. So if Alec Baldwin saying, I didn't know the gun was loaded, you know, ignorance is not a defense to an offense either. So he can keep saying that. He can keep going on social media, keep going on television and denying his culpability. And I'm not responsible. Someone is, but it's not me. I know it's not me. I know it's not me. You know, uh, I just, I find that so despicable. Like be a man, Alec. All right. We know you've you spent years playing Donald Trump on Saturday Night Live. But, you know, be a man and own up to what happened. And, you know, because it's going to come out in court. And if you still uh, are the weasel that you appear on all these 
social media and on television, it's more likely you're going to part with double what you think you're going to part with financially, you know? And again, you're only getting sued because you have money, not because your culpability. Uh, I want to thank Alexandra for that comment. And I love the last name. That was a great question, by the way. And I love the name. <laughs> There's too many Grimaldi's on this site today, you know? <laughs> you know, Billy, I, I've said this in one of our previous shows, and uh, I'm just going to talk about the guilt angle. Um, if God forbid I pull out of my driveway and someone has cut my brake lines and I was to actually, actually run over and kill someone that happened to be walking their dog or crossing the street or whatever, I, I would definitely feel guilty about it. And I think that most people would. I, I think if you were, if you're a, a normal human and you have feelings, even though 100% something that I just laid out like that, that's not your fault and you really can't be held uh, liable for it or responsible for it, you would still feel guilty. You know, I, I just think that uh, the taking of a human life at any uh, means, but by any means, is going to show uh, show up in in a person's uh, mind or their feelings as guilt. And uh, for him to say that is just uh, it's so crass, it's so uh, arrogant, you know. Yeah, I, I think that you know it, it would you know look. Alec Baldwin doesn't need me to like him. He really doesn't. He doesn't need you to like him. He doesn't need anyone to like him. It's, but the fact of the matter is that. His behavior makes him unlikable to many people, you know. Marie Green, with industry of today with special effects, they couldn't fire a gun, just tells me not enough money to do the film from the offset, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense because they should have been hiring top-notch people and they they went cut rate. And that old expression, you get what you pay for, comes back to haunt you, you know. It's like that old expression you also hear is penny wise, dollar foolish. How many times have you eaten your uh, eaten your words when you tried to go cheap and you wound up paying three times because you got cheap and you should have bought the best instead of the worst because you were looking to save money, you know? I'm a true believer in that, Billy. You know, you get what you pay for. And uh, I don't like to be penny-wise and dollar foolish because uh, I, I was just telling my, uh, my family earlier today, I hate doing things twice or I hate you know, uh, having to do something that's unnecessary. So again, you know, uh, cutting corners, it, it always catches up with you one way or another. So sometimes you just got to bite the no, bullet. I, I know when you go into that Italian deli and you're looking for mozzarella, you don't say, <laughs> where's the palio? You say, Hey, where's the fresh mozzarella in the, bu in the bucket in, in, in the, in the, in the brine? Where is it? Yeah. In the, in the brine. You're right. It's $18 a pound. I don't care. This is I'm Italian. I want the best. Well, listen, if you're going to have some prosciutto, nice <laughs> prosciutto di Palma, you got to have the fresh mozzarella. You can't. The polio is good for cooking, but uh, not not for the sandwich with the prosciutto. Uh, that, that's but, for uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, boy. folks, thank you so much. This was sort of an unscheduled show, but when we read that article today, we sort of, because we'd been covering this case, and because we have certain opinions on this case, um, Salty, I'm going to answer. Isn't there an insurance company that the film producers have? What does it cover along the way of safety? Salty, I don't know for a fact. I would imagine a movie company, especially when there's firearms on the set, has to have million, maybe $5 million worth of insurance. That's least. what I'm thinking. However, when the insurance is not enough to cover, for example, a wrongful death, guess what? They're going to go after individuals. And since Alec Baldwin is one of those individuals with deep pockets, I don't know how much he's worth. I would imagine it's in the millions. They're going to go after him personally. And the people that are going after him personally is going to, of course, be Matt Hutchins, who lost his wife, and his nine-year-old son, who lost his mother. That's a fact of life. Maybe Alec Baldwin has an umbrella policy, policy of insurance for himself so that when he goes out and about and beats up paparazzi, He's covered, you know? I mean, this guy is no stranger to get... He's been arrested, I mean, for bullshit. He's been arrested for, like, disorderly conduct and things like that. Failure to follow a lawful order of a police officer. He's a real, like, you know, a rebel. And then he wants to quote Buddha. You know, it's like, he's, he's unbelievable. You know what, Billy? I want to put on my uh, Joe Murray legal hat for a second. And uh, I think uh, no matter what the insurance policy limits are, 
a, a case could be made in a court of law where uh, the court would be petitioned and say things were so egregious that were going on in the in the uh, uh, during the production, uh, reckless behavior, uh, uh, criminally negligent. Uh, so therefore, because there's a limit on the insurance policy, we want to now, you know, of course, the corporate uh, veil would, would apply. Uh, you know, you can only sue a corporation for whatever the assets of the corporation are. But again, like I said, because they were so flagrant in their safety violations, I think a good argument argument could be made and say, we want to go beyond the corporate veil and we want to know, go, go after them uh, personally. And I don't think you'd have too much heavy lifting if there was a small policy, let's say. But uh, again, uh, how do you put a value, uh, $50 million, $100 million, how do you put that uh, uh, value on the person's life to those two people that lost a wife and a mother? You know, so I don't think- Well, you know, Phil, to- anyone connected to that movie said- that has any insurance whatsoever is getting sued. How about the movie set itself? That movie set in the state of um, New Mexico, Santa Fe, they rent it themselves out for movies all the time. So just think, are they going to get sued? You bet. You bet they're going to get sued. The person that supplied the ammunition, is he going? you bet he's going to get sued. The armorer, she has no money. She's a young girl. That's what Alec Baldwin's referring to. He's referring to, the, oh, she's most culpable, but because she has no money, she's not going to get sued, or she may get sued, but it's a joke because she has no money. But maybe I don't agree that she's the most culpable. I believe the most culpable is Alec Baldwin. However, she does have some culpability, and of course, so did the assistant director, David Halls, handing the gun to Alec Baldwin. Many people have culpability, but in lawsuits, attorneys are an idiots. They go after the deep pockets. They know where the money's coming from, and that's who they're going to go after. And listen, they're going to, you know, they're going to name a lot of people in the lawsuit. And as lawsuits move forward, a lot of times different people are are excused from the lawsuit based on, you know, judges ruling and stuff like that. But uh, again, like you said, they're going to try, they're going to go after everybody. And hopefully, uh, you know, they'll keep as many people involved in the lawsuit as possible to get the most uh, of a claim for the, uh, for their, their, uh, their clients. And, uh, you know, I guess we're going to have to wait and see about that. I, I would venture to say, though, I think we're going to go through the criminal part of it first before we get into the civil part of it. But uh, that didn't stop. There was a, uh, a, a, a female, I don't know if she was uh, one of the production. She was right out in front. She got into the lawsuit uh, mode very quickly within a week or two, I think it was. It was yeah, someone that actually, I think it was the woman that called 911. I think she yes. sued. Yes. And I think yeah, right. she was right. She was one of the first ones out there. Yeah. Um, look, that I mean, everyone could hold hands and sing Kumbaya a day, day after this, but. Once it's, you know, it's, you see this negligence. Now we're talking attorneys. Now we're talking money. And now we're talking lawsuits. Yeah, and absolutely. That, in fact, is what happened. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff. Real Crime Stories, a special episode. If you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube, subscribe, hit the subscribe button, ring that bell, give us a thumbs up. If you want to support us, we have a Patreon and, of course, a YouTube channel memberships. We stayed on longer than I, I always say to Phil. We're going to stay on about 35 minutes, and here we are at almost just under an hour. But I thought this was important to bring this up because we've been covering this case. And, you know, when someone writes a letter like that and the behavior of, uh, I guess you'd call him, if this was a movie, you'd call him the protagonist, right? Because that's who he is. But uh, I think it's it's important to stay with this case. And we're going to stay with it once Either criminal charges come out or do not come out and we'll follow uh, the civil case. Phil, final words. Final words. Uh, Again, condolences to the family. Uh, God bless them. I hope that uh, they can, you know, uh, find some kind of uh, peace throughout this whole ordeal. Um, It's really a terrible situation for them to have to be going through. And I just think that, uh, you know, the way that he's behaving in public is probably rubbing salt into the wound. So, uh, again, like I said, condolences to that family. God bless them. Uh, We were going to take the day off today. We decided to jump on this. We have a really great uh, couple of days coming up tomorrow at 7 p.m. We're going to be going on Jimmy Calandra's show, which is called A Bath Avenue Story. Uh, we're going to do his show. And then at nine o'clock, we're going to be on with Dan Bibb, who's a uh, retired prosecutor from Manhattan DA's office. We're going to talk about uh, cases where uh, the person was murdered, the body was never recovered, and they were 
Uh, the perpetrators were successfully prosecuted. And then on Thursday, that's going to be a blockbuster show. Thursday, 9 p.m., it's going to be first in a series of shows about the mob cops, Louis Impolito and Stephen Caracapa, the largest scandal in NYPD history. They were contract murderers for the mob. They were holding gold shields in their pocket. They were uh, NYPD detectives turned bad, sold their badges to the mob, and were actually contract killers. We're going to dissect that case over a couple of episodes, and uh, it's really going to be a, a really good show. I'm looking forward to it myself, Billy. I can't believe we're doing all, all of this work. because, But guys, don't feel sorry for me because Monday I'm going to Isla Morada in the Florida Keys to go fishing for three days. So I, I, may, even do, I may even do a, a live show from down there on my phone, but uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of fun. So folks, thank you so much um, for listening. And uh, as always, be safe. Stay safe, everybody. One episode just ain't enough.